KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Morning Consult is a global data intelligence company, and over the past several months, they've been releasing some really fascinating findings as part of their most trusted brands reports. They have a new one out, which breaks down survey results with a focus on auto and mobility, and there's some really interesting stuff here. So we wanted to take a deep dive, caught up with Joanna Piacenza. She is the head of industry intelligence for Morning Consult. Give a listen. So we have talked several times over the past several months, but for people who aren't familiar uh, with our discussions, kind of talk about what you were looking for with this survey, with this data. Good to be back with you, Matt. I always enjoy our our conversations. Um, So with this report, uh, I wanted to look at trust within the auto and mobility space, right? Mobility is an important term there because we're not just looking at car manufacturers or rental cars. We're looking at uh, ride sharing apps. So we wanted to kind of take the temperature of where consumers were at in trust for specific brands, trust for the industry overall, and then which brands they're they're buying the most and, and if they're using ride hailing apps more. So let's start with some top line information. What were the big bullet points that, that came out of this for you? Um, well, I have two favorite kind of findings from this report. We can kind of unpack each of them one at a time. The first is that Ford is the stickiest brand for Americans. Now, what that means is we asked respondents about their car ownership history, right? As well as what car they own now. So you own a Toyota and it's your first Toyota, or have you ever bought a Toyota before? Are you a return customer? So Ford was the most owned brand. 62% of respondents say they have owned a Ford car at one point in their life. Um, It's also the stickiest. So it has the highest share of people saying they've owned several cars from the brand. That's a really important demographic for car manufacturers. 31% say they own a Ford now and they've owned or leased one in the past. To that point, we were talking off the air. I feel seen by these numbers because (laughs) I am not a car buyer or a car guy by any means. A car Mm -hmm. is just something to get me from A to B. Mm -hmm. And my last three cars have been Fords. And the first one was bought because it was the right price at the right time. No preference for for it was. Mm -hmm. But since then, that car did me right. My last two cars after that are specifically Fords for that reason. I've gone and gotten Fords because other than the occasional minor malfunction and maintenance, they, they, I can run them into the ground. And that's kind of my, my MO. So it would seem to me, specifically with auto brands, that stickiness you're talking about, because you're talking about a major purchase that's going to be intimately connected to somebody's life. Uh, that's huge. That is really, really big, more so maybe than just about anything else. Yeah, this is for many consumers, um, one of the largest big ticket items, right? Besides a home, perhaps is buying a car. So your experience there, your experience as a first time buyer of a Ford, and then having a positive experience with that brand. So you turn back to them. That is exactly what every car manufacturer is trying to replicate with every customer. So they'll be very happy (laughs) to hear that from you. 
other than Ford, were there other brands that scored high? Well, I, I kind of want to focus on the ones that scored low. That was kind of interesting to me. So we have Ford at the top, right? Not only are they the most owned brand, but they're the stickiest brand. There are three brands that have that you know you should keep an eye out for in terms of customer retention. Uh, that is Chrysler, Dodge, and Buick. They have the largest gaps between former owners and return customers. So that means that people are saying, I don't own that brand now, but I have in the past and I own something else. They had enough of a negative experience with that brand that the next time they chose to to purchase a car, they went with someone else. Did you get any feedback on the why? See, this is why I like our conversations because I just have a, a word doc up of all the things <laughs> that you ask because this is good future research, right? Why? Why did you go with another brand? Another interesting question I have is, is first-time buyers. A lot of people purchased their first car or purchased a car during the pandemic. 40% of people who own a car said that they purchased a vehicle in the last year. That's huge. And that goes up among Gen Z and millennials. Younger consumers were were really kind of driving car purchasing uh, during COVID. And I guess, once again, something that jumps out at you, but makes sense when you think people want their space. They don't want to have to rely on other people for their physical safety in the middle of a pandemic. But I guess that is made complicated by the fact that we're having this chip shortage and cars are tough to come by. So it's kind of a perfect storm for the market. It's, it's really, uh, yeah, car makers are really having a headache right now, kind of early on in the pandemic flashback to spring 2020, everything stalled, right? Consumers were not purchasing cars. They weren't going out into lots, interacting with dealers because we were still really learning how the virus spread and, and folks were being a little bit more conservative. Then we saw that giant jump in car sales, right? And because of that pause, because of the time period where there weren't a lot of consumers, Uh, buying cars, uh, a lot of car brands pause their own chip orders, right? And so that's kind of what we're seeing, this domino effect now. Um, And of course, car brands are going back to the chip manufacturers and saying, hey, you know, we'd we'd love to, you know, up our order, but, you know, they're a business, they've moved on. And so it's going to be a rough time for the car industry over the next six months because of this shortage. And I'm interested, when we're talking about brands that people get and then they don't come back to maybe that shows the power of their advertising that they're able to bring people in, but then the actual product isn't able to keep them. Yeah. So this report kind of looks at, at two important factors for trust, right? Building it and breaking it. And if you look at the specific responses in this report for how trust is built in the car industry and then how it's broken, you see two different reasons, really. And that's interesting to me because in previous reports, what has built trust, if you don't do that, it breaks trust. But for the car industry, it's a little different. So cost builds trust. If you are honest and transparent about your pricing, if you have good value for your price, that is going to build trust among consumers. Safety breaks trust, right? So low safety ratings Um, uh, something going wrong, malfunctioning with the vehicle, that's something that's going to break trust. So if that 
happens, I can see consumers going to another brand. But that first point, cost, building, building trust, I think one of the things I keep going back to is I think there's this really incorrect trope of kind of the dishonest salesman when it comes to trust in the car industry. And a lot of people go to a dealership or go to purchase a car they're, they always think that they could get a better deal. So I think that's why we're seeing costs coming up so much in kind of building trust. And there was also, you, you saw there was, uh, you asked questions about warranties, you know, honor, not honoring a warranty, you know, stuff like that. That can be a, another problem in terms of breaking trust, no? Huge trust breaker. So 74% of consumers would stop buying from a car brand if it didn't honor its warranty. Now, the good news about this is I think this is an easy thing for car brands to, to follow, right? Um, a lot of the times in our previous reports, uh, the responses for the highest share of people that would stop purchasing was something more nebulous, like stopped being reliable. That's a pretty vague term and mean something different for each brand. For this one, it's very cut and dry, honoring your warranty. The other thing I want to highlight about this is it's a relatively high share of consumers compared to other reports that we've done. 74%, three quarters, that's a lot of consumers who would completely abandon a brand if that trust was broken. You mentioned earlier ride hailing apps and the numbers there, and I found that really interesting. First of all, give me the top line, what you found. Yes. Yeah, so this is some trend data we have at Morning Consult. Back in 2018, we asked how safe people felt while they were using ride-hailing apps. And at the time, it was 47% of U.S. adults saying that they feel comfortable using a ride-hailing app, Uber, Lyft, to get around. Now, considering the pandemic, considering what we went through, where uh, social interaction was all but taboo, I expected those numbers to, to go up as, as ride-hailing has become more popular since 2018, but not necessarily as high as they've gone. Right now, it stands at 83%. 83% of the public feel safe using a ride-hailing app. That's great news for Uber and Lyft and other apps in that market. You know, I do think that car rental brands and car brands have their eye on the share economy within mobility. But for the most part, considering how good sales have been for cars, it's more of a a nuisance than an actual disruptor or a threat to the industry. Any idea what to attribute it to? Because I try to think about is it pandemic related that people would feel safer and I guess you feel more comfortable in a one person driver Uber than on a bus or a train? Uh, or is it just uh, kind of speaks to how ride hailing has just become so mainstream that it's now just another option? It's not something you have to give a second thought to any idea which direction the needle points on that? Much more the latter. So if you look at pre-pandemic, if you look at 2018 and 2019, you did see growth in use within those apps. And we see this a lot with uh, kind of disruptor companies, right? You just need to experience it. And once you experience it, it's something that you grow more comfortable in. If you would have told me 10, 20 years ago, you're going to pay money to go into a stranger's home and just 
stay overnight there, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy, but that's Airbnb. If you would have told me 20 years ago, you're going to pay money to get into an absolute stranger's car and they're going to drive you where you want, again, would have said, you're crazy. That's the model of a you know billion dollar industry. So a lot of it is consumers experience something for the first time, realizing that those, those doubts and those fears that they had were really more mental and then kind of just becoming more comfortable with it with time. Mentioned rental car companies. I'm specific. I'm interested specifically with that industry or that that landscape because I know personally. A couple weekends ago, I tried to rent a car for a weekend, and it was something that usually, for what I was looking to do, yeah. cost eighty bucks. It was some deal for the weekend, and you got all the miles you want. I didn't get past like the second page, and they were talking like two hundred seventy-five dollars for the same deal, mm-hmm. and I just completely made different plans for my travel that weekend. And I've heard stories anecdotally of, you know, people coming to the airport and they reserved a car and there were no cars within a hundred miles, you know, and all that. What is the status of rental car companies uh, with uh, regards to what you found? Rental car companies right now are desperate for more cars in their fleet. So again, flashback to spring 2020, rental car companies started selling off some of the cars in their fleet simply to stay in business. And that worked for a short period of time, but now we're seeing demand returning to normal levels, maybe even going above it. And these companies don't have the products and the services to supply folks. Um, If you look at our our trust tracker at Morning Consult, we tracked um, auto brands, rental car brands, and ride-hailing apps. And rental car brands, net trust, you see it kind of dipping at the beginning of the pandemic. And I can attribute that to two different things. One is the idea of the share economy, right? We don't didn't necessarily want to get into a car where other people were in the car. This was kind of early on when we didn't know exactly how the virus spread. Um, and then the second was availability. Even early on, there weren't many cars available since rental car companies were selling off their fleet. Um, it's going to be a, a tricky situation for rental car companies right now. Um, as a result, consumers are, are suffering, right? <laughs> the $200, $300 to rent a car for something that would typically cost 80. Um, and I think that a lot of consumers are, are willing to, to fork that over right now. Uh, and hopefully uh, when that stops, the rental car companies will have kind of upped their fleet to normal, normal figures. Does the idea that rental car, and I don't know what the number was, but I have to imagine the vast majority are for business or somebody on a trip. Does that help shield a brand's trust because I'm not paying, I'm paying it up front, but my company's going to pay me back. So I don't really care. I mean, in the moment it's annoying, but you know, I'll get my money one way or another. Does the, the kind of, what is the lifeblood of rental cars? You think that would help it with regards to people trusting it, even with spikes in, in price and not as much availability? In normal times, Yes. Um, But sadly, we are not in normal times. Uh, We've been doing a lot of reporting on business travelers uh, here at Morning Consult. And one of the figures that sticks out in my mind is that one third of business travelers have no plans for the rest of the year, for the foreseeable future, next six months to travel for business. That's a huge amount of people. And those are the folks who 
would be willing to pay the $200, $300 for an $80 car. Because again, as you said, they're not paying it. They would, business travelers would be able to kind of lift up the travel and hospitality economy, but corporations and companies are still so hesitant about sending business travelers out into the world for a number of reasons, mostly Delta. Um, So we're not really seeing business travelers return to the roads and the air in a way that would really positively impact these rental car companies when they need it the most. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.